Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, 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 hey. What up, what up, though? It's your boy Reggie Watkins, and you are listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but don't be hating. And make sure you find us on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. Got a lot of great content over there, but the greatest of all the content is this one right here. I'm probably right. My man Kevin Cleveland is running the boards, engineering, producing the show. What up, Kevin? Reggie, I am stoked. I'm excited. I know you're you're a good uh fan for being uh being as a gentleman as you are <laughs> that was tough yeah 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 kevin is uh is feeling feeling mighty mighty good um this day i mean we're recording this on this is february 1st tuesday's tuesday february 1st uh as you all know if you listen to the show and you are listening to the show kevin is a ram fan and i am a 49er fan so Kevin, uh, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. So, so he is feeling very good. We are going to delve into the happenings around uh, that victory for the Rams and Kevin. Uh, we're going to talk about what's next for the Rams and the 49ers. We'll also get into the other stunning outcome in the uh, championship weekend with the AFC, Kansas City, and the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to talk about Tom Brady retiring and what it means. We're also going to talk about Black head coaches in the NFL or the lack of black head coaches in the NFL. But first up. Man. So championship weekend is over. And uh, I have to say, I think this was this, this might've been the best championship weekend we've ever seen. I had, I had a friend of mine, a buddy of mine, Ray Stoney, uh, who is a Republican. You know, I know he's listening to this. Make sure he understands he is a black Republican. Uh, he was, he mentioned that this is the greatest playoffs of our lifetime. And I said, eh, I don't know if I can go that far. Um, the wild card weekend was trash. Besides the Niners Cowboy game, uh, wild card weekend was wildly uneventful, did not really matter. And we had blowouts galore. Um, however, when we got to the divisional round, the games were amazing. Championship round, amazing. I mean, hell, you had both games decided by three points. And they came down to the last minutes of the game and overtime in the AFC. But, you know, I I was in Arizona this weekend, Kevin. I don't know if you if you know that. Because I, I initially I wanted to go to the Niners-Rams because it was here in L.A. And I said, hey, if the Niners are here, I'm going to go. After, you know, my man Kevin had, had been so gracious and took me to the regular season game. I thought that the prices wouldn't jump so crazy for the NFC Championship, but oh, I was wrong. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin, you said your face value for your tickets were about 300 some odd dollars, right, for the uh, yeah. NFC Championship a, game? Being a season ticket member, I was charged 300 each seat. And when I looked uh, mm-hmm. online at Ticketmaster, up in, even up until the day of the game, they were selling for upwards of eleven to $1,200. 
Yeah, and that was a little bit out of my price range. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, Kevin, but I'm not doing that okay to blow <laughs> that kind of money, especially on a game that I just wasn't sure. I, you know, I, I said last week that I thought the Niners were going to pull it out, but I didn't really believe that. That was just my heart hoping that we could get it done. Um, I was in Arizona because I decided I was not going to go to this game. So I went to Arizona and I went to the Barrett Jackson auctions. Kevin, you know, are you familiar with the Barrett Jackson auctions? I actually am because my father is a classic car collector. Okay. Wow. So now we're getting a little more insight into Kevin's life and uh, (laughs) Kevin's riches because this is my first time ever going. And I went with some of my buddies, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Alex, he's a, you know, he, he renovates houses and rents them out. He's, he's in the the house flipping business. Um, And his uncle, a doctor, a a very successful orthopedic surgeon, um, an oncologist up in the Bay area. And our other buddy, John Kim, who is a lawyer in San Diego. Uh, So I went out there with all these cats and went to the auction. And now this is my first time ever going. I did not know and was not prepared to see the two Americas, right? Because there's one America where we think that the economy is not so great and boy, money ain't really flowing like that. And they got this other America where they like, what recession? There were cars going, Kevin, I mean, I saw cars being sold and in a, in a matter of 10 minutes, there was a million dollars worth of cars sold. And that was only three cars, Kevin. Three cars that took in a million dollars within 10 minutes of standing there. And I had a buddy who, one of my buddies was there trying to buy a car. And we saw this Corvette. And he was like, oh, my God, I want this Corvette. I want to come back and bid. I was like, are you serious? Yeah, I'm going to come back and bid on it. And so that let me know some more insight into his financial doings. And... um we sat there, we watched a little bit of the auction, and he was like, yeah, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to get that car. The car he wanted, another another version of that car, had just sold for $600,000. That is the world that I was in this weekend, and it was ridiculous, right? So I come back on Sunday, and I'm flying back, and I get to LAX, and I had bet on the game. Kevin, you know I'm a better at people that listen to the show. You guys know that I like to, you know, I put, put a little something on the games. It makes it more fun. I don't go crazy, but I put just enough to get your blood running just a bit. Um, because beyond, from what anybody would think, and, and how you would think about this game, especially the AFC Championship game, Kansas City at home versus Cincinnati and the Bengals. The Bengals, okay? The Bengals who had, hadn't been to the playoffs in, in what, since Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, was running the show for them, who hadn't really won a playoff game uh, since, hell, maybe Sam Weiss was coaching them. Uh, so I took the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback on the planet, you know, the best quarterback on the planet. We're going we're gonna to talk about Tom Brady a little bit later. But Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback alive, arm can run a little bit and they're at home he's got his weapons joe burrow second year quarterback coming into this i mean second year second year coming on the road to play the chiefs at arrowhead with just jamar chase and an offensive line that is boo-boo at best he got sacked nine times the week before by the tennessee titans now i knew that the kansas city chiefs did not have a real pass rush but i thought okay they ain't go, uh, the titans got him nine times the kansas city chiefs should be able to get him at least two or three times 
and that should help slow it down. And Joe Burrow's going to have to make some plays with his feet for them to actually do this. And, and you know, Kansas City Chiefs just beat Josh Allen, who I think is better than Joe Burrow, and they have a better team than Joe Burrow. So Chiefs, no matter what, the Chiefs were a seven-point favorite. They started out as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. It went down to seven points. The money line, I took the money line. I put everything I had on the Chiefs. Everything I had in my, in my winnings, I put them on the Chiefs. Chiefs going to win this game. And by the time I landed at LAX, the Chiefs had a 21-10 to 10 lead. I was sitting pretty. Uh, it's going to be great. Fantastic. I'm going to win this little money. It's going to be cool. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes turned into the Patrick Mahomes of earlier this season who looked like the league had figured him out. Remember when people were saying that the league had figured him out? And what had happened was the league stopped letting him throw these over-the-top bombs and deep passes to all these receivers, and they made him be patient. And so it took a couple weeks, and he learned how to be patient. He calmed down. He took what they gave him, and then it eventually opened up, and he could take what he wanted. And the Bengals, it seemed like the Bengals almost rope doped him. They let him do what he wanted to do in the first half, and then they put the bottle on, they put the cap on the top of the bottle, and he couldn't stay patient. I didn't, I couldn't even recognize Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter of that game. That dude was running backwards, spinning, trying to, I mean, he looked like a damn bumper car out there playing football. He was spinning, trying to run around. He fumbled once, he threw the interceptions, and it just did, he just came, look, he came unglued. And the Bengals ended up winning this game. And, more power to him, yo. I like, I'm not a hater. I, I, I like Joe Burrow. I just wanted to see him do it in the league because I hate when people give all this splash and this glitz to the rookies before they even get there. I want to see you do it in the damn league. And he's doing it in the league. Is he better than Patrick Mahomes now? Because I've heard people bring up this question. Is Joe Burrow the new best quarterback in the NFL? No, he is not. No, he's not. It's still Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Josh Allen. It's still Justin Herbert. Uh, it's still Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Let's not be crazy and prisoners of the moment. Let's relax. Joe Burrow and the Bengals have had a great season. They're going to the Super Bowl. Much props to them, but calm the hell down. Calm the hell down. So we had that. We had the AFC Championship game, which was just a stunner because nobody, I guarantee everybody lost money on that unless you live in the greater Cincinnati area. Everybody took the Kansas City Chiefs. Then we get the NFC Championship game, which was the game that we cared about the most, Kevin, me and you. I had already seen the 49ers. The 49ers had beaten the Rams, what was it, six times in a row? Yep. I think it was six times in a row, Kevin. Yes, yep. six times in a row. And then the game that we went to, the 49ers won that game, and they should not have won that game. If we're being real about it, there is no way the Rams should have let that game go. However, Matt Stafford turned into the Matt Stafford from Detroit and threw a couple of picks and gave the Niners a chance to win. But even then, you're watching that game and you're like, yo, you got to know this as a 49er fan. If you're watching that game, the only reason we came back is because we did what? We ran the damn ball. We had one drive where we had the ball 12 plays. And 11 of those plays were runs. One was a pass. And you know who threw that pass? It wasn't the damn quarterback. It was Debo Samuel. That should tell you everything you know about the 49ers and what's going to happen when they get to this game. And lo and behold, the Rams showed up to this game 
with the game plan that when the games really matter is what people are always going to do to Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. They're going to make him have to win the game. They're going to put it on him. And that's exactly what the Rams did. The Rams loaded up the box and stopped the run. The Niners had 50 yards rushing in this game. The 49ers who run the ball, that's their, that's their MO. They run the ball. The Rams said, we're not going to let you run. We are going to dare Jimmy Garoppolo to beat us. And right away, first pass of the game, Kevin, do you know what he did? Overthrew <laughs> George Kittle by a mile. A mile. And it was just a harbinger of things to come. I mean, and here's the deal. People will tell, I got friends who, who message me all week. Man, you, you've been hating on Jimmy G forever. You, you all, he, he led you to this. He didn't lead us to anything. And I don't hate Jimmy G. Whenever I say that he sucks or he's a bum, I'm just being hyperbolic, okay? He's not a bum, the guy is a starting NFL quarterback. You guys have to understand. I'm not calling him a bum. There's only 32 of them. He is one of 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. He's not a bum. He's just not that guy. And you can't get to the Super Bowl. You can't win a Super Bowl without that guy unless you have a defense that is that defense. You're never going to see that happen. And our defense was worse than it was the two years ago when we played Kansas City Chiefs in the, in, in the Super Bowl. Our defense was less. We had less uh, defensive back uh, talent. You know what I'm saying? We had less defensive line talent. And so the Niners did the best they could to hide Jimmy Garoppolo all season long. Did their best. You know what Jimmy Garoppolo is? Jimmy Garoppolo is a long four ride. He's the dude, right? Because the, the run game, the defense, they are driving this 49er bus, and they're driving it all the way to get to a Super Bowl and trying to get to a Super Bowl. And Jimmy G is the dude hanging out the window, poking holes in the damn tire. He's along for the ride, but killing the ride everywhere he goes because you got to try to hide him. And that was the difference in the game. Complete difference in the game. The 49ers defense held on as long as they could against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Held on. And not to mention, if, if you look at the side of this Rams team, okay, the media, if you let them tell you and you let people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, they will have you believe in anything. And they had a lot of you people believing that OBJ was no good. The Rams now have two number one receivers on offense. What the hell are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? And, and, and this is what the Niners ran into. There was nothing they could do, right? You've got Cooper Cup on one side. And, and for the life of me, I, I still don't understand why Cooper Cup is ever being single covered. I understand now because if you, single, if you double cover Cooper Cup, you're singling Odell Beckham and he's going to kill you. So then you double Odell Beckham. And then what happens? Cooper Cup kills you. And, 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 and Justin, who was on this show, one of my best friends, he mentioned something to me this week that is totally fair, and I think it might have some merit to it. Cooper Cup is a victim of racism. He's a victim of racism because he's the white dude playing receiver, and there's still that thing that I guarantee these brothers and some people on the defensive coordinator staff don't want to say, but they want to believe that this white boy can't be cooking these brothers like this. But he is. 
He is that good. Treat him as such. I don't know why we are not doubling him. If Odell Beckham Jr. is not as good as everybody thinks he is, then why the hell aren't we just doubling Cooper Cup and singling Odell? But that's the conundrum that teams face now because they've got two number one receivers and they've got a running game and they've got a quarterback with an arm who can throw every pass possible. And Matthew Stafford decided he wasn't going to be the Detroit Matthew Stafford uh, the other day. And he played, he played well. He had the one interception, but he played well, got the ball where it needed to be. And the Rams, I, I feel like they're, they're Super Bowl favorites. I feel like to me, if I have to bet, which I'm going to, I'm taking the Rams. Because I know for sure that the Rams pass rush will get to Joe Burrow. I know that Von Miller and Aaron Donald will get to Joe Burrow. I know that Jalen Ramsey can run with Jamar Chase or Jalen Ramsey can run with uh, with T. Higgins and then you double Jamar Chase. The Bengals are running up into a buzzsaw and this is what the Rams did when they went all in and threw all the chips in. This is it. This is why they traded the first round draft picks and Jared Goff to get Matthew Stafford. This is how they picked up OBJ. They got Von Miller. They're ready to go. This team, and they get to play at home. This is what, the the the, the second time in, in back-to-back years, right? The home team gets to have the Super Bowl at, at their damn building? This is going to be a Rams win. I definitely think that it is it is a, uh, I'm not going to say a blowout because, you know, you who knows, but I, I, could see, I could see seven points or more. Just the Rams are just too good. And the Bengals, they're lucky to be here. But uh, I think the, the, the carriage turns back into a pumpkin on uh, February 13th, I think is the game. Yeah, February 13th, the carriage turns back into a pumpkin. Um, and I'm not upset. You know, I'm a Niner fan. I'm not really upset. I, this is what I thought it was going to be. I, you know, uh, after the game was over, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even yell, didn't do anything because we went as far as we could with a quarterback who just ain't that dude. Just ain't that dude. I mean, the dude's last interception. The man threw the ball behind his head over the running backs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, you can't make this up. And and that's another thing where it's just you got this quarterback who can't do anything beyond the basic. It's it, and if we had this is and this is also why I said just start Trey Lance. Trey Lance could have done exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo did this past weekend. Exactly what he did. Jimmy Garoppolo went 16 for 30. That's barely 50% completion percentage. 232 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Trey Lance could have done that. And Trey Lance could have gotten away from some of these, you know, where Jimmy's getting wrestled and throwing the ball down and, and throwing the, the over his head to an interception. Trey Lance, instead of doing that, he's running for a first down. But I digress. Congratulations to the Rams. 49ers will be back next year when we got a real QB. Can you just imagine? I just got to be a fan for a second. Hold on. Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle. We're all pros this year with a quarterback that the team was scared to death to have really throw the ball. Because if you think about it, Cooper Cup, he gets about 10 to 12 targets a game, right? Travis Kelsey, um, Tyreek Hill, they get about 10 to 12 targets a game, both of them. Can you imagine if Debo Samuel and George Kittle were able to get 
10 to 12 targets a game because that would that would mean the quarterback has to be throwing the ball about 30 times a game. And Jimmy Garoppolo, the more times he has to throw, the more risk you are putting out there and the scarier it gets. So I'm done with it. Four nines will be back. Rams, congratulations. Bengals, congratulations. I got the Rams. I will not be at the game because those prices are even more astronomical. But I'll be in Vegas watching it. So let's turn up. We back after the break. You're probably right. <laughs> so uh, we're recording this again, like I said, on February 1st. It's a Tuesday. And over the weekend, Tom Brady, well, Tom Brady didn't actually announce it. I guess somebody leaked it. And then Adam Schefter and whoever else announced that Tom Brady was retiring. And then it came out that Tom Brady, he wasn't confirming that. And it sounded like Tom Brady was just not confirming it because he wanted to find out who the hell in his camp leaked it so he could beat that ass and then be release it himself. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, He said that, you know, his camp did not confirm that he was uh, retiring. His agent, Don Yee, said he was not retiring. The Bucs said they had not heard anything. And then on Tuesday morning, we got the real deal. And he came out and said that he is retiring and he's done. And if you know me and you listen to the show, I've never been one to heap all the praise on Brady. I've always thought that Brady is the most accomplished quarterback ever to play the game, right? Um, I just never thought he was the best quarterback because I like to think of things and take things in their totality. Um, I want a guy who, who, who can, who can do more. I want a guy who can run. I like a guy who could throw the ball and, and fit it in tight spots and has a great rocket arm. But if you can't move, I, that's just not for me. It's just, that's just, that's just not the quarterback that, that I love. And that's just for me, not hating. I think Tom Brady is 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 goes down as the most accomplished quarterback ever. But here's what I will say about Tom Brady um, that he doesn't get enough credit for. But, but I think he does get enough credit. I'm not going to ever say he doesn't get enough because, Lord, I'm scared of what y'all are about to do with Tom Brady because I have lived through uh, the Michael Jordan insanity and the hyperbole that y'all throw on this man. And this was pre-social media, pre-internet era. And now Tom Brady, oh my Lord, I'm afraid of what y'all gonna make him. By the time Tom Brady is, uh, 10 years later, Tom Brady has gone, he, Tom Brady's gonna be the one who played every position on the, on the damn field. He played tackle, he played guard, wasn't no other teammates, wasn't nothing. Tom Brady is going to be unassailable, which he almost already is. But here's what I'll say about Tom Brady and 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 where I give him more credit than than, than, than I normally would. It takes a special person to have the guts, have the mental fortitude to take advantage of the situation that is in front of them. Right? Now, this is, here's the thing. With the Patriots, he was always in a great situation because he had a great organization, a great coach around him that did the things necessary to make sure they were always in the best chance to win. Always having the best chance to win. But that being said, once you have those opportunities, you have to capitalize on them. Now, I'm not here to say that if Aaron Rodgers is in those chances, does he not capitalize on them? I don't know. 
I don't know if if Aaron Rodgers has the defense that New England has, if Aaron Rodgers has the coaching staff and the and the continuity that New England had. Does he do the same thing? I like to think that a guy that talented could do it. I like to think that a guy like Patrick Mahomes, if he was in that system, he would do the exact same thing. But then sometimes you watch the games and you watch a guy like Patrick Mahomes and what he just did, even though this is only his fourth, I think, fourth season in the NFL. He's still young, right? We got to take that into account. He looked like he melted down in this fourth quarter. And that's the thing that Brady never did. Even when he first started, even when he was when it wasn't on him, and the, and the teams were built around defense and special teams, and Brady was there just not to mess up. It takes a lot to be a guy who's got so much on his shoulders and not mess it up. Sometimes that is the most balling thing you can do is just not fumble it, because so many people want to be out there and they want they want the big moment. They want to be the one who makes things happen. But sometimes it takes the dude who has everything on their shoulders to say, here, I can hand it to you and you get it done. Or here, I'll make sure we get this play done the right way. I won't lose my composure. I won't have my heart rate go above the damn normal and lose my mind and mess up everything for everybody. That's the thing that Brady had over most guys that I've seen in this league. And that's what I'm gonna give him the credit for. I don't think he was ever the most talented. I think he just was the most composed. And the most liked, it seemed like everybody loves this dude, wherever he goes. I mean, he was with New England, and you guys swear by him. You've got people on TV who've never even met this dude, but they act like they are Tom Brady's best friend. Go to Tampa. He's hanging out with 20-year-old dudes. This dude's 44 or 43 years old. He's hanging out with 20-year-olds and got them loving the hell out of him. And... There's just something special about him. Now, I'm not going to go as far as the magic, because when you say, well, man, Tom Brady's just go, man. All he does is win. You can't do that with the win, win, win thing, because we just saw that with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, people defending him. He's 70% winning percentage. The Niners just, he just wins. Yeah, but what happens when they lose, right? There's no, it's not magic. I don't believe in magic. I just believe that certain people take advantage of the situations that they're in. And Tom Brady always did that. I mean, on and off the field. Hell, the man got a, I mean, his wife is bad as hell. And now he's got the TB12 method. He's taking advantage of that. He's got the crypto thing. He's taking advantage of that. The dude, I mean, I, damn it. He is winning every damn area of his life. But I don't think it's magic. I think it's just the fact that the guy has a mindset that he's going to go get it done and nobody's going to stop him. And that is what I rock with more than anything. The mindset that I'm going to do it. You're not going to stop me. And if you do, I'm going to come back and do it again and not be wavered. So that's what I take from Tom Brady. I think he's the most accomplished quarterback to ever play the game. Not the best, but the most accomplished and the dude who held it down when it was most necessary. And you're going to be hard pressed to find that again. I've been on the record of talking to people about this and saying this. The day of the statue quarterback is over. And it is. And, and when I say statue quarterback, I have a lot of friends who, and, and I, I use the term, the day of the white quarterback is over. And I don't mean white guys, because you're looking at it right now. There's still white guys who are balling. Josh Allen, but he's not a statue. The guy is athletic. He can run. Uh, Joe Burrow, the guy's athletic. He can run. Aaron Rodgers can run. Trevor Lawrence can run. The day of the statue quarterback, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, that is coming to an end. And it's not coming to an end just because the guys can't move. It's coming to an end because the guys can't move, but guys that can't move will never be as special as this guy. I mean, I'm, I, I hate to say never, but I just can't see 
another guy coming in who's devoid of athletic, you know, an agility to run and, and, and speed to be as fast processing as Tom Brady was. The guy, red defense, laser fast, released the ball, laser fast, made up for his for his inequities with just brain power and precision passing. That is so rare to find. He is one of a kind. And hell, they found him in the sixth round of the draft. There will never be another Tom Brady. I, I will, I'm honest to say that. There will never be another guy drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft who becomes the greatest of all time. So for that, he should be celebrated. He is one of the greats of all time, top five quarterback of all time, and a lot of people are going to say he's the number one. I just don't rock that way. But Tom Brady, if you're listening, kudos to you, bro. We'll be back after the break. So, we've mentioned a couple times on this show already, but today is February 1st, and you know what that means. is the first day of Black History Month. The month in the United States where we highlight and celebrate black achievements across uh, our great country. And um, things that have, have been known and things that are unknown, and we try to highlight and, 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 and shine a light on people who otherwise would not have it in the month of February. Although I think we should do it all year long, which would be very dope. We should have Black History Year, which goes all year long. But I want to bring up some things that are going on right now uh, at the start of Black History Month in the sport that we talk about the most here, the NFL. Because as it stands right now, the NFL has one black head coach, zero black owners, four black general managers. In a league where 70% of the players on the field are what? You guessed it, black. Now, I'm not saying that just because there's black players on the field, that, that all the coaches should be black. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that there aren't white guys who are great coaches because I'm not saying that either because Bill Belichick is, hell, one of the greatest coaches we've ever seen, maybe the greatest coach in NFL history. But you know why Bill Belichick is possibly the greatest coach in NFL history? Because somebody gave him a chance. And not only did somebody give him a chance, they gave him multiple chances. I don't know if people understand this, but at one point, Bill Belichick was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. And he got fired. And then he went and was the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants. And then he left there and he was going to take a job with the New York Jets. And uh, then he didn't take a job. Then he went to New England Patriots. He's had years and years and years and opportunities to prove and get better, fail and learn. But that seems to never happen for black coaches in the NFL. And why is that? I mean, is there is there some is there some book or some law somewhere that says that black coaches cannot coach NFL football? I mean, I, I have I've yet to seen this thing. I've yet to see it. Yet here we are. Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach in the NFL, and we've got we've got five head coaching spots still left vacant. We lost Brian Flores. 
this offseason. Lost his job with Miami Dolphins. Um, and right now, he is embroiled in a class action lawsuit where he is suing the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, I believe the New York Giants, in a story that sounds wildly bizarre. And not really wildly bizarre, it just sounds like things that happen all the time, but it's now being shed some light on because Brian Flores interviewed for the Giants job and he received a text message from, this is before he went to the interview, he received a text message from Bill Belichick, according to the story, that... Bill Belichick was already letting him know that they were hiring Brian Dayball, the D, the the offensive coordinator from the Bills, to be the Giants head coach. Bill Belichick already knew. He had texted Brian Flores and kind of insinuated this to him. Yet Brian Flores still had an interview a couple days later with the Giants. So why would the Giants do that? Because of the Rooney Rule. Rooney Rule was established in 2003 that said that teams had to interview a minority candidate for their job now ask yourself why would the nfl put in a rule that made teams have to interview a minority candidate because they weren't doing it on their own that's why and 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 you and you got people out here who would defend well the nfl is not racist well if they're not racist why the hell did they have to put in a rule to combat racism and the NFL ha isn't, isn't brand new. NFL has been around since, hell, the 50s. And it took until 2003 for them to say, yo, man, y'all need to start looking at other people other than the same white dudes that you keep hiring. And, and that was the impetus of the rule. But along with that rule comes sham interviews, which is what Brian Flores is accusing the Giants of doing. Sham interviews where you're saying, oh, OK, we're going to hire this. We're going to take a look at this guy just, you know, just to, to clear our Rooney rule books. And we already know we're going to hire this other guy. Happens all the time. It started, I think, back in 2003 when when Dennis Green and a couple other uh, uh, candidates did not want to interview for the Lions job because Matt Millen, who was the GM at the time, had already decided he was going to hire Steve Mariucci, fired 49ers coach to be the head coach of the Lions. Already, already told people he was going to hire him, but here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a look at these black guys just because. Sham. And we're not going to get any kind of equality or any kind of, you know, fairness, which, which I, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy who thinks that everything is supposed to be fair. But you want some, some equality. You want some equity in the game, right? You don't think, that 70% of the of your workforce might relate or be able to communicate a little better with somebody who they know from their own ranks who 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 looks like them, talks like them. You don't think that might help? I mean, I'm just throwing I'm just spitballing here. Why not try something different? They've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. The Detroit Lions, we talk about the Detroit Lions again. Detroit Lions sucked forever they hired jim caldwell who lost his job with the colts let's let's go back to the timeline of jim caldwell okay tony dungy leads them to a super bowl retires and decides and, and thought of it so much that i'm gonna retire and i'm gonna place my let hand over this job to my successor and jim caldwell who was the offensive coordinator jim caldwell leads that team to, I want to say, 14-0, and 0, 
Okay, 14 and 0. And then shuts it down so the guys don't get injured or whatever, and they don't make the Super Bowl. The next year, Peyton Manning gets hurt. Jim Caldwell, and the the Colts are awful. Jim Caldwell gets fired. Got, got, Got fired, okay? Jim Caldwell gets fired. Goes to Detroit. Gets them to the playoffs. And then gets fired the year after that. And they bring in the dude from New England, Matt Patricia, who was god-awful. And now they're on their, I think, their second uh, iteration of coaches since letting go of Jim Caldwell. And they're terrible again. It keeps happening over and over. Miami, the Dolphins, they fired Brian Flores. Why? He had an injured roster all year long, but still managed to keep that team in playoff contention up until the end. With the quarterback, mind you, that they selected over Justin Herbert. Okay, the GM and the and the owners wanted Tua over Justin Herbert, but Brian Caldwell takes the takes the rap for that. And and it doesn't just start at the head coaching spot. It starts at the coordinator spot. And what happens is nobody gives the black dude credit for being an offensive genius or or wizard of play calling, right? That, that's reserved for the white guys. That's reserved for the Kellen Moores out in Dallas. He's the offensive genius, right? It's pretty easy to be a genius when you got a bunch of star power around you on the field. Okay? I want to see Kellen Moore coach, coach Dallas with no Dak, no uh, CeeDee Lamb, and, and no Amari Cooper, and no Ezekiel Elliott. Let's see how much of a genius he is then. And for the life of me, I still can't understand how Eric Bieniemy does not have a head coaching job. Even though after this game, people are going to use the best excuse. Well, look what happened in this in this game right here. See, you can't have it both ways. Because when the Chiefs are rolling and they're killing, the excuse is, well, Eric Bieniemy doesn't really call the plays. You know, well, oh, I guess he calls some plays, but but you know, Andy Reid is really the offensive coordinator. But then when they lose, then it's, wow, do you see Eric Bieniemy? I mean, you know, the the Chiefs didn't look good. Well, hold on. How about Patrick Mahomes just didn't look good? How about how about that? But that's what we do. We move the goalposts when it comes time to hire the minority. And I can tell you this. Let another team go 0-16 or 0-17. That'll be the best spot for a minority guy to get hired there because then they want to bring you in to clean up the mess. I mean, you, you, almost everywhere you go. Something goes wrong. Let's hire the brother to come in here and and clean it up. It can't get no worse. Let's throw him in here now. I don't know, man. It's just just shocking that we're here at 2022, and this is still what's going on. And and hell, you want to say, okay, well, they just hired, I think, Minnesota and the Chicago Bears just hired two black GMs. And that's cool. But you know what they need to do? Those dudes need to pioneer and just say, yo, okay, I got this job. I'm hiring black dudes. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. We've been doing it one way forever. How about if we try it another way for a little while? Let's just see. I was on, I I really wanted to see. I thought it would be so dope if every head coaching uh, vacancy was filled by a black dude. And let's just see what happens. Why not? We've been doing it the other way for so long. Why can't we see? But we can't see because racism. 
because they don't want to, they're not going to tell you, they're not going to come out and blatantly say it. But even that, you can see the Black Lives Matter, you can say the end racism on the back of the helmets on the side of the football fields. Them dudes that really run the show could give a damn about that. And they, and they tell you, they, they show you by their actions. They could put the stuff on the field, but they show you when it really comes down to it, where they're out with it. Not hiring no, how many of these guys are going to hire a black dude to be the, the runner, the leader of their team, who they have to talk to, who they have to maybe listen to. This dude has to tell them, this is how we're going to do this thing. Uh, oh, oh, I'm going to have some black dude telling me what to do. So we've got to be, as fans and as a general public, if you really care about equality and making change, then you need to stand up and, and question this kind of behavior. See what's going on. Hell, we've only we got zero black owners in the NFL. You telling me there ain't no black people got money? Ain't no black people that got money to buy an NFL team. There's black billionaires. But you know how you become an owner in the NFL? The other owners have to vote to let you in. So the old boys network, they're going to let a brother come up in there and get in, in, up in this deal? I mean, hell, you we've seen through history what happens when black people move to a certain part of the neighborhood. Flight happens. Is that and they ain't happening in the NFL? <laughs> Black people ain't coming to the NFL, and then people going to sell their NFL teams. That ain't happening because it's too much damn money. But I just want people and fans and people who actually give a damn to actually stand up and question this kind of thing. And while you're on social media, even though you might be ranting and raving at the moon, at least you're changing people's minds and maybe you say something to the right person on social media if they're actually paying attention you could have a real discussion with somebody because i know most of the time all it is is people lunatics on there just talking crazy and behind you know using twitter twitter fingers to say whatever the hell they want but we gotta at some point move the needle forward and get people to have real discussions so that this starts to change and it only changes when the fans actually say they give a damn about it because if you don't give a damn about it nothing's going to change and i give a damn so I'm going to keep talking about it. NFL does have a racism problem, especially at the higher end of their executives and their coaching. And it needs to be solved. And it needs to be fixed. It needs to be talked about. So I'll be the beacon of light. I'll keep talking about it. And I hope the rest of y'all will join me. I'm Reggie Watkins. This has been I'm Probably Right. Thank you for listening. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but don't be hating. My man Kevin Cleveland runs the show, engineers, producers. Thank you so much. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.